passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. everyone, and welcome to the series finale, the final episode of Thunderstruck, our look back at the life, career, matches of one Jushin Thunder Liger, and uh, on this particular episode, we're going to look at the final days of Jushin Thunder Liger, uh, in ring of course, not his, his life, thankfully, but, uh, and joining me as a guest for, for this episode, was there live with me to watch the final in-ring days of Jushin Thunder Liger, and that is John Pollock. John, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing great, WH. Uh, I'm honored that I get to close out this uh, super popular series that you have uh, spearheaded here at Post Wrestling. I thought maybe if you were looking for someone live, you were going to find someone from the uh, some of the friends you made in the foreigner section at the Tokyo Dome on the first night. I guess the second night, actually. I I think they're all unavailable and like maybe they don't have the... uh... I think they would just take over the podcast, John, chanting like... uh... Things like this is awesome. Oh yeah. Oh one two. Oh kick out. Like uh, I think I think that would have made for good podcasting. I think it was m- by match four that WH just got up and told me and Way, yeah, I'm leaving. I'll be up there sitting uh, with Rob Conway. And uh, you would join me soon. I made my way up there because I. By the time we got to our seats, I was like, I'm, I'm just staying here. And then when I got up to go to the bathroom and I saw where you guys were set up and how cramped we were in our area. For me, it was much less the, uh, the, uh, the audible accompaniment of the, the fans there. But it was, I was squeezed into this place trying to take notes as well. I was like, this is silly. I would much rather just come watch the show where you guys were see- seated. And that's where I watched, I guess, like the second half of the second night. Yeah, but like, let, let, t- let's dial it back a bit. And and you and Wei came to Tokyo uh, back in January, which seems like maybe five years ago now. But uh, it it was a, a very for you and Wei, and then this have been to be able to see the retirement of Jason. I would say it was like right near the top of the list, like be below just the actual event of going to Japan for the first time. Like, I would say, like, that to me was something really cool that it coincided with this being the year that we finally got to go to a uh, a dome show was Liger's retirement. And to me, it was as much as I was, like, you know, being part of the matches, but when they announced that that retirement ceremony was going to be at Dash, like, I, I had in my mind, like, that was probably going to be a pretty cool uh, ceremony that, that they would do. So, yeah, we'll get into all of that. And I wanted to ask you before we get into the, you know, we're going to talk about 
the January 4th match, the January 5th match, and the January 6th retirement ceremony, John. But I want to ask you about your own personal fan history with Liger. Like, when did you first start, like, seeing him and, like, what has he meant to you as a fan? Yeah, well, I'm imagining, like, I was not watching WCW in the early 90s. Uh, I... When I grew up, like I didn't get TBS in in Canada. I didn't have that cable package that included it. So it was the odd time you would see like Power Hour or something in syndication. I would catch glimpses of. So that that was not a period I was watching at least at the time. So my first real introduction to him would have been kind of more so the mid '90s when I was starting to see more WCW, and then. Um, the first tape I ever ordered off of High Spots was the 95 J-Cup. So that, to me, Liger was kind of the enduring figure from that 95 J-Cup. And that, that to me, would be my real first full introduction to Jushin Thunder Liger, watching his performance at, at that tournament. Um, and from then onward, just, I, I think, like everyone, just uh, kind of... You know, looking at just the, the entire outfit, the presentation, the music that I think has such a a legacy attached to Jushin Thunder Liger beyond just being a great wrestler. So much of it, too, was the presentation around Jushin Thunder Liger as this real life comic book wrestler. Yeah, I think one of the things I always liked about Jushin Liger when I first started watching him was the fact that this guy's wearing a complete bodysuit, which was completely alien to me. At, at, at that part of my wrestling fandom, I was like, how is this guy wrestling with these horns on? L- little did I know that they were, like, you know, bendable and soft. I-, I thought they were actually, like, real, like, not made of bone or anything, but I thought they were, like, hardened, like, you know, some kind of, like, material that was, like, maybe it's going to hurt his opponents or him if he if he hits them with his horns or something. But they're all, like, soft and bendable, so completely safe on that regard, John. Also, maybe like my first lesson at, at such a young age of what a genius worker this guy is in the sense that this guy could wrestle in this outfit for as long as he wants. And he chose until 55. Yeah, he, ch- he chose a good time to, to get out of business. He didn't overstay his welcome like a lot of his peers. Like, you know, for example, uh, Keiji Muda, the great Muda, I think we should maybe take a, a page out of Liger's book and maybe think about retiring uh, himself. Like, I don't, I don't think he's really putting on matches that are uh, beneficial to his legacy anymore. But uh, you, you've had the opportunity, as well as myself and, and Way, to see Liger live in Toronto. Yeah, that's right. So it's uh, on a lot of our shows, whenever it's like uh, me, Way, and yourself, I mean, we will talk about this promotion that is, I, I just don't think it got a whole lot of attention, but this was the UWA out of Mississauga, Ontario, that you would have been the one that first um, alerted me to this company because you went to a show, I want to say with Mike Murray and maybe some others, to this barn. And this was certainly not a show that was importing talent from uh, Tori Yuman or New Japan at the time to this barn. But it featured a lot of Ontario-based talent. And from this barn, they ended up finding this new home called St. John's Hall um, where they housed these shows. And this was – I want to say I started going to shows in 2004. And from 2004 to I would say around 2007, they'd run there every six weeks. And the first big star that I remember them bringing in was M-Dog 20, Matt Cross. And that was like a cool deal just because we didn't get 
you know, the, the hot indie names coming here all that often. And then you'd see them escalate. Like suddenly um, Austin Aries was coming here as he was Ring of Honor champion. And then they started with their uh, affiliation uh, with Dragon Gate and bringing over all these like great Japanese talent. And that was the exposure to Okada before most knew who Okada was. And Jushin Thunder Liger made his way to St. John's Hall. And that was, I remember that just being such a big deal. The fact that here's a performer that, at that time, in whatever year this was, maybe 06, 07, never thinking that you would get to see live. It's not like Ring of Honor was was running here a lot and had the New Japan affiliation. So uh, a huge thing was Liger coming here to St. John's Hall and wrestling in front of three or 400 people. And uh, people should know that if they, you know, if they find these tapes of the UWA shows from St. John's Hall, they, they might see a young John Pollock doing a, a ring, ring bell duties, as I recall, and timekeeping duties. That's right. They they just uh, they would have uh, Jason Agnew ended up being the ring announcer for UWA, and then I'd usually be going to these shows with him. So they ended up just, do you want to be the uh, the timekeeper? And I guess over the years, I have really cemented my legacy as a great timekeeper. So um, that was that was it. It was just like a free gig, and I just got to sit there, and it was pretty much just ring the bell, and that that was that was it when I was. Uh, however old I would have been at that time, like 1920. John, I have to say, like I, when I see you at these shows doing the uh, the timekeeping and holding the, the 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 bell, right, and the hammer to hit the bell, like I was always impressed. Like you had obviously been watching your New Japan tapes because you would, when those three counts, those near falls came, you would have that bell up ready to hit 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 it as soon as to to signal the end of the match. And I was like, I, I remember, I think I said to either Dan Demuthlevansky. Or or Mike Murray, I said to them, I think John's been watching his Japanese tapes, and they were like, "Yep, yep, definitely, <laughs> definitely." Well, I would like I I did it, and I had no idea what the finishes were, so it wasn't as though I was um just trying to like tease anything. Like I was just simply um I just thought that was like the part for like the near falls is that you have to uh, convey that this could end at any time, and I legitimately never knew uh, the finish for any of the matches either. Well, John, if this post wrestling thing doesn't pan out, you know, down the line, maybe you got another career uh, being a timekeeper for a major wrestling promotion, uh, except cut during a pandemic. So maybe that's not actually a good idea. Well, it's uh, something that I, I think my uh, my timekeeping days were uh, limited to the UWA in two thousand and four. Well, uh, those those are some things that if isn't it crazy, WH, that those those t- like I was. Um, whether you and Way were talking about it, or maybe I was talking to Way about it afterwards, like those, like they did shoot all of their shows. And to be able to go back and whether it would be putting a documentary together on that company or just seeing the tapes and realizing the talent that came through there. Like I remember me and Way, when we were in university, we did like a short form feature on UWA. And it was, this is 2006, and we've got a young Kevin Steen, a young, uh, I want to say Generico was on the show, Alex Shelley, and like it was just it was a company that was like absolutely your PWG equivalent, and it just didn't have the same kind of spotlight that PWG would receive years later. No, I mean like Chris Hero came through there. I mean that's the first time I ever saw Cole Cabana, the Barn Show you're referencing. The first show I ever went to with Mike Murray had Cole Cabana. I I didn't know Cabana was on that show. That's uh, interesting. And who else was there? Um, like, so you said Steen, Generico, Alex Shelley, Chris Saban. The mo- machine guns were always there. They were pretty regular there. Uh, Austin Aries. Yep. Uh, Johnny Gargano. That's the first time I ever saw him 
was in UWA. Oh. So this is a really young Johnny Gargano. This is like long haired Johnny Gargano. And uh, yeah, ton- tons of people. Because they like- had a real pipeline to, to like the Cleveland scene through uh, Josh Prohibition. And that seemed to be their pipeline to a lot of the Ohio guys that would end up coming up here. Yeah, definitely. You saw a lot of the people who would end up in like Chikar Pro end up in UWA doing like shots in Canada for 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 those guys. And I, I think you told me the story because you heard the story that, you know, uh, Kazuchika Okada was like wrestling, did a wrestling match at the wedding reception of one of the owners of the UWA. <laughs> So I, I heard the story because I was talking last summer. It was like SummerSlam weekend. I was at an indie show and I was talking to uh, two of the guys who used to be regulars on those shows. And we were kind of just reminiscing about, you know, Okada being on some of these shows. And he told me that the, the promoter, um, whose name was uh, John McCausland, he had his wedding. And the story from them was that he had some of the guys up here, including Okada, who did a match at his wedding as part of the uh, part of like uh whether it was the the ceremony afterwards or or whatnot so the, yeah he had a young okada work his wedding what what a story to tell people down the line tell your grandkids that they become you know wrestling fans hey that guy the rainmaker he he made it rain at my wedding what are you kidding hey, that's amazing hey, I'll, I'll, I'll say this Imagine if the video ever gets uploaded that'd be amazing it would be amazing, and they they must have shot it. I mean, they they must have it on tape. I it'd be really funny if I could like track that down. Um, but hey, if you're gonna look at Okada's excursion, I mean, the UWA excursion to me far outpaced the TNA one. Oh, it was amazing! Like to see him. Like even then, he was like, you could tell this guy is gonna be something. He's he's really good. But then you would see him used in TNA, and it's just like, uh, what are they doing with this guy? But we're getting off track here, John. We're not. We're not, this is not a podcast about. Uh, yeah, yeah. We are talking about Jushin Thunder Liger. We, we down the road. Down the road, we sh- we definitely should do a show about uh, whether it be Okada's trip to UWA or the UWA itself. Maybe we can track down some of these guys. It'd be a real fun story. Uh, well, definitely. I I've seen uh, you know our our favorite magician Darkstone at one of the local comic stores that I used to frequent when I lived in Toronto. So maybe it wouldn't be that hard to do. But uh, that's that I, definitely. I, I, I have a lot of those guys, like whether it be on Facebook or, or such, like I, I still like am like, I, I don't like keep up with a lot of them, but they're, 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 there's a whole like crew of them that are, you know, Toronto based uh, guys. But anyway, the career of Jushin Thunder Liger. That's true. Okay. And we're looking at the end of it uh, on this uh, final episode of Thunderstruck. So John, let's go back to January 4th, 2020, the Tokyo Dome uh, here in beautiful Tokyo, Japan and uh, Russell Kingdom day one. We're going to look at the uh, eight-man tag match. Liger, Jushin Thunder Liger, Tatsumi Fujinami, the great Sasuke, and Tiger Mask taking on the team of Naoki Sano, Shinjiro Tani, Tatsuhiro Takaiwa, and Ryusuke Taguchi. And what did you think about this being one of his retirement matches at that time? Yeah, we can start off with like the retirement announcements. And I think everyone had their sights set so high on how Liger is going to end his career. And once they did the King of Pro Wrestling match with Minoru Suzuki, it was almost like, how do you top this? Like, do you do, like, the the dream match with, like, do you go out with someone like a Will Ospreay? Is it Liger challenging for the title? It's, like, what do you do? Because that feud was, was so tremendous with Minoru Suzuki, and I thought that match at King of Pro Wrestling was just such a great, great performance that 
you know, in hindsight, you kind of wish that that could have been it. So when this was announced uh, both nights, I think it was somewhat of a, of a letdown being there in the building. It, it was exactly as I envisioned that it was like night one, the main event portion of this match, it was the entrances. And it was almost like the match was the come down from the entrances because this audience was, and you correct me if you felt a different vibe, but it seemed pretty electric for just each guy getting their own entrance and appreciating just the the nostalgia in the building and everyone here. Um, it was just like watching like uh, an all star game involving different generations. You pick for like seeing a lot of these guys who, let's be honest, like they haven't been involved with New Japan for a long time, and and like I do think the Tokyo Dome was filled with a lot of longtime fans, people who. Be familiar with Otani, with Naoki Sano, with Tatsumi Fujinami and, and Tiger Mask. Uh, sorry, uh, the great Sasuke. People who, you know, like newer fans might not necessarily be familiar with. But And I definitely there's, I think, a lot of fans who are from other countries who are familiar with the history of Liger and, like, his various opponents throughout the 90s. So, like, seeing Otani back in the Tokyo Dome under the New Japan banner was a really cool moment for me as, as, a, as a long-term fan of... Uh, Otani and, and Takaiwa. So, like, I, I think it's definitely a sentiment shared by a lot of the people that were in our section and, and, and throughout the whole of the Tokyo Dome, John. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, Tatsumi Fujinami just was treated like this gigantic legend when when he would come in, into the match. And, and just, I really like the fact that they they were not rushing through here. Everyone got their own entrance and their, their own a uh, little moment here, which uh, I thought was was pretty cool. Even um, we had El Samurai, who either the day before or the day after, we were at Totacon, and he was there doing some uh, Q&A. Yeah, yeah, I think it was, it was the day before. It was on the 3rd that we were at Totacon, and, and he was doing a Q&A, and we were like, what's going on back there? And then like, he could, I could hear his voice, his, like, uh-huh. raspy, cigarette-ravaged voice, <laughs> like, just <laughs> talking to people. And, and we were like, oh, cool. Like, and I got to say, John, I made a note, like, that the T-shirts they were selling for that event and that he wore on this show was, like, it's, it's an El Samurai T-shirt, and I really want that T-shirt. So I remember we went back on, I think it was maybe the 6th or the 7th, uh, and then I asked the staff there, do you have that T-shirt? And they are like, let me check. Ah, oh, sorry, all sold out. And I was like, ah, I got to go back and wow. check. Later on, though, definitely is something I can see showing up at that store. Um, New Japan really, you know, put out a lot of bells and whistles for this particular match because they brought back legendary former ring announcer Hidekazu Tanaka to do the ring announcing. And the special referee was a a peer of Jushin Liger in the 90s, a former wrestler, Norio Hanaga. And uh, as you said, John, uh, El Samurai is cornering... uh, Liger's team's corner, and uh, for the the Sano team, they brought back another uh, legendary uh, opponent of Liger's, Kuniaki Kobayashi, who was cornering, uh, you know, Sano, Taguchi, Takaiwa, and Otani. And I thought these were all, like, really great, um, you know, like, additions to, like, kind of add to the nostalgic feel of this match. You know what it felt like? It felt like if this were the Jushin Thunder Liger movie, and we had gone through like a biographical picture of Jushin Thunder Liger, the character and his career. This is like the, this is the retirement scene. And suddenly it's all these, these different 
uh, characters from his past in different iterations from uh, the influence of Fujinami to his peers to the future as well to to the, like the younger generation, which I guess it's weird to call Taguchi like the younger generation. But in this setting, that's what his role was as well. And like it was just this culmination of all these different years of people that had this influence on Liger. Every single person attached to this had some role. And uh, like you, I thought it was a real nice touch having Tanaka added here. Like just e- even if you're uh, not as familiar, I think everyone, as soon as they saw him, recognized, oh, this is the classic New Japan announcer. And just doing little things like that, it's all fan service for people that have a real deep appreciation for the the history of this industry. And that's what this whole match was about. So as we start the match, we see the opposing team up first, led by Kunyaki Kobayashi. We see Taguchi, Takaiwa, Otani, and Sano come out in that order. And then, of course, next is Liger's team, and uh, led by El Samurai, Tiger Mask, Great Sasuke, uh, who's wearing this really cool mashup of his mask and Liger's mask, uh, Tatsumi Fujinami, and uh, his robe is uh, has a dragon uh, mashup with Liger design on the back, and and Liger himself, and he's coming out to the his classic theme, John Hikari no Jushin, and I can remember vividly and and watching the the here on New Japan World, it just it just reminded me like my God, the pop when the strains of that theme song hits was so loud in the Tokyo Dome. And it was and it was no surprise either that like this was going to be such a big part of the weekend. Like, yes, you had the big double championship and and all all the things that were attached to these two nights. But you could just see from like all the merchandise they were selling. And it was, you know, from people that were traveling over here that maybe many are seeing Liger live for the first time. Like Liger felt like a um, in some ways, like he felt like the main attraction to to many people like his this retirement was as much a, a main event of the weekend. And you knew uh, his entrance was going to just be a, an enormous uh, reception that night. It was gigantic when he came out. So Liger and Sano start the match. Uh, they lock up. Then they hit the ropes. Uh, Sano, Sano does a leapfrog and sends Liger out to the floor with a nice looking dropkick. He then follows up, John, with a tope suicida. Dude, uh, in this match... Uh, great Sasuke, like, the, you watch this on New Japan World, like, there's uh, some stuff that's, like, missed, but, like, this dude was wrestling like it was 1994 and was just going out there to uh, kill himself to just uh, get this over. Uh, sorry, you're talking about Sano, but I was, um, I'm immediately brought to, like, Great Sasuke because he had that, like, dive onto the edge of the apron as well. So you're seeing, like, Sano and Sasuke clearly coming into this with like the most ambition i would say of the 10 in terms of just standing out with their uh with their dives uh the next memorable spot sees uh, shinjiro tani put liger in the squash um uh, like you know kick, kind of like you know, basically he's washing liger's feet with his with the boot of his foot uh the foot of his boot what which what am i trying to say here john anyways like he does the rapid fight, he hits the other side of the ring hits the ropes and then comes back gives him a big boot to the face and then he tells the fans he says in japanese he says moikai which means one more time he hits the ropes again john but this time instead of hitting a liker he hits great sasuke who just happens to be walking into the frame <laughs> yeah. on my tv and i'm just like what the fuck is going on here why is this man walking into this move i think this was after he did like as I recall live was that he did this like, like swanton onto the edge of the apron. And I'm pretty sure it's missed 
on the New Japan World version. And I think this is him like just staggering back and that's how he walks into this. I think that's the chronology of these uh, these moves. But um, it was a very funny spot to watch back. And also, this is the first time I was rewatching these on New Japan World uh, with the commentary on it as well. Same with me. Like, this is I, I hadn't watched any of Wrestle Kingdom since uh, since we saw it live because I just Either have I. haven't had the... The, the time to go back and watch something I, I had already seen in person. But, like, it was it was a really cool thing to do to watch this. I, so I watched it both with the English, and then I watched it back with the, the Japanese commentary just to contrast the atmospheres. And we uh-huh. can talk about that a little bit later. But, like, I was just remembering that walking into Shinjiro Otani's, literally walking into Shinjiro Otani's, like, running booth, which I thought was just... But from here, Otani goes for a third attempt. But Liger stops it with a series of Shote palm strikes. Uh, Tiger Mask then tags in against uh, Takaiwa. They light each other up with chops and kicks. And, you know, one one story you got to talk about with everyone in this match, John, was that, like, from, from Liger Sano downwards, like, everyone was up for, like, just working their asses off in this match. Absolutely. I think that everyone, regardless of limitations, wanted to, whether it just be give give Liger that, that one big spot, just have that one moment. I mean, even Tatsumi Fujinami, like those dragon screws he hit, uh, the audience, they, they they treated him like such a big legend. And they were just so – this was like a crowd that they were here to just completely show their respect and honor these legends. And they didn't have to do a whole lot to get – the most out of them and in some cases they still went uh, above that with great Sasuke who just seemed to have um, the influence of Joey Janela here throughout this match definitely Taguchi mask with his ass uh, Sano uh, in next and he's able to hit a jumping savat kick on Tiger Mask so basically they're, they're getting the heat on Tiger Mask at, at this portion of the match there's a series of tags from the Sano team getting the heat on Tiger Mask just beating the shit out of him uh, Tiger Mask reverses his fortunes by hitting a Tiger Driver on Takaiwa and then he tags in Tatsumi Fujami who as you said John like he he lights up the crowd by uh, you know getting the hot tag and then he hits his dragon screw leg whips on uh, Tiger Gucci and Otani. He then applies a dragon sleeper on Takaiwa, uh, but you know, like fortunately for him, uh, Sano makes a save there. But just just Fujinami, as soon as he enters, I, I rippling throughout the Tokyo Dome from from a lot of the long term fans there, John. Yeah, I mean the guy, he would have been the oldest in this one, right? Like sixty six, um, and he didn't have to do a whole lot to get you know. Uh, among the the louder reactions of anyone in this, like they just saw him at at such a high level and that's all they needed with the was the dragon screws and i just i remember that live was just among the the largest reactions you had in this match uh great sasuke it tags in next and he immediately starts yelling ramjet and hitting his elbow which i assume is a reference to randy the ram from the wrestler movie john okay um I don't know if that's the the person you want to necessarily uh, emulate, but sure, why not? I, yeah, very, obviously, such a timely reference as we're uh, eleven years removed. Well, I think there was a point in Sasuke's career. I, I, I never really followed him like in into like you know the two thousand or two thousand and tens so much, but I do think there was a point where that was like his favorite movie, and he was like his gimmick was like he was Randy the Ram. Like to the point where he was like wearing the same gear as him. Like I'd have to go back and look for footage of this on YouTube or something. So have you seen his documentary? I have not yet. No, they've just uploaded it or recently I saw like an upload of it and I I do want to watch it, but I remember seeing the trailer for it and it very much was like 
positioned around that. Like here's his family wanting him to get out of wrestling and here and he's just starting to be broken down, but he keeps going. And it made me think of Randy the Ram at that time. And here is almost like this real life version, the guy who can't walk away that is physically breaking down, but continues to go against the advice of family. Uh, from here, Sasuke goes for a Swanton bomb, but Takaiwa moves and Sasuke just hits the mat. And I was just thinking, that's got to hurt like a motherfucker. Uh, Liger and Taguchi tag in. Liger hits uh, a top rope Frankensteiner. And the, the, this signals all the other wrestlers to start brawling with one another and hitting big moves <laughs> to the outside, which I thought, this is awesome. Uh, and then this is the part I think where you're talking about, John. Like, so... On the TV, but you and I, you, me, and Wei, we saw this from our amazing seats up in the rafters. Uh, Sasuke yes. goes for a swanton to, I think it was to maybe to Kaiwa again, who's like, someone's lying on the apron. He goes for it, but he, the person moves and he just ends up hitting the apron, like the hardest yeah. part of the ring, like the proverbial and literal hardest part of the ring from the top rope with a swanton. And I just like, I just pictured like one of those big, you know, sound effect word balloons that you see from the Batman TV show splat. Yeah. Cause I remember being there live and it was like, we were, I was focused on, on the ring. So I saw it, but it didn't look like it was caught on the screen and it didn't even get like an enormous reaction. And I was thinking like most of them uh, might've like missed this, but it was like a harrowing bump that he takes here. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember all of us popped in our section, but, like, it definitely, they, they the, unfortunately, the cameras did miss that. So, like, Sasuke kind of, like, lost his big, you know, chance of being immortalized in this uh, in this match. Uh, the, the, the finish comes from here. Takuchi hits the uh, Bamaye and the Don Don on Liger for the uh, one, two, three. And uh, this minute, this match lasts entire eight minutes and 52 seconds, which I thought was fine. I, I didn't think they were going to yep. do anything long for this match. And, and I was just a really face, fast-paced match that had a lot of action in it. And it, it, it did what it was meant to do, which is give the fans a, a look back at, you know, Jushin Liger's past, really. That's what this was. It was kind of like a, this is your life, Jushin Thunder Liger kind of presentation, um, you know, and, and starting the match as well with Liger and Sano bringing up the 89 feud, and then the two will come together. And, you know, Sano did enough in this match that I think he, I think he kind of went into this match almost trying to, like, justify his position the next night um, with Liger. And I think the summit was like, damn, this guy, like, you know, at, at 54, uh, certainly, I think, exceeded expectations of what you were going to expect out of him in this. Um, what did you think about the decision having... I, uh, it certainly did not surprise me to Gucci pinning Liger. But if you were outlining these two nights, um, I, a question beating Liger night one as opposed to just giving people the feel-good moment and then put all of your impact into that one loss on the second night? I'm, I mean, it's a Gucci. He doesn't... It's not going to help him in any way to beat Liger. But I, it doesn't, it's not surprising at the same time. If I had the book, like, yeah, I would have I probably had Liger uh, beat Taguchi. Like, he's the one who can take the pin. Um, he's part of New Japan. Like, it, it'd be a lot more difficult for him to pin, like, Otani and Taikaiwa because they're part of Zero One. And maybe, you know, you want to save the interaction with Sano because they're going to be tag partners the next night. But definitely, like, I, I agree with you. Like, I think it would have probably been better since he's losing the second night to have him win on the first night. But at, at the same time, it's Liger. He's probably the most unselfish 
you know, legendary star in the history of, I don't want to win. I don't want to win. Unselfish to the point of like his own detriment to the detriment maybe of his, his fans, John. I think so. I think that this was one of those cases where you wanted to give everyone in that, that stadium, that release of that win. And it just gives you, everyone knows how night two is ending, but to me to maximize that it's give them that, that glimmer of hope, like, wow, maybe he's going to get the feel-good win at the end of it, knowing he won't. And to me, this was one where I think any of those guys would have raised their hand to lose to Liger in this setting. Um, and to to your point, like, I think Taguchi is hurt, not one iota in any of this. But again, this being Liger, I, I didn't even entertain that thought really going into this. That um, I thought maybe at the very least they would save pinning Liger. Um, and just someone else would get the win for that other team. But no, it's Liger eating the pin and going into night two. So, I mean, you can quibble. It was so much more about kind of the, just the pageantry attached to this much more than the outcome. But I, I think that that would have heightened things for, for night two if he got this win. And uh, we see footage. I don't know if you watched this part John, where he's going to back to the dressing room. Uh, he's shaking hands with different fans on the way back, but I see Fraser Marriott, the person who is responsible for getting us tickets for <laughs> for the retirement ceremony, getting uh, a handshake and a hug from Liger, and I'm like, if anyone deserves wow. it, it's it's Fraser Marriott, just for for being so instrumental in in helping us be able to get like be able to see the retirement ceremony and for an amazing lunch the day after, or the same day it was the same day as the retirement ceremony. We had this amazing lunch with with Fraser. Oh, absolutely. Um, we we also had um, uh, Chris Charlton, who was on the English call here, um, pretty much telegraphing um, by the end of this that he is going to be a mess by Monday's broadcast because of the, the emotional uh, attachment to Jushin Thunder Liger. And everyone, I think, on this announced team realizing like how heavy this is going to be these next two nights uh, because Liger's retirement has been talked about since March of the previous year, and now it's finally here. Finally here. So that, that moves us into day two of Russell Kingdom, January 5th. Again, at the Tokyo Dome, it's now uh, Liger and Naoki Sano taking on the generational rival team of Ryu Lee, the former Dragon Lee, and Hiromu Takahashi. And uh, when this was announced, John, I have to I have to express a uh, somewhat disappointing feeling I had because I was really hoping for a Liger single match, either with uh, Hiromu Takahashi after it was announced that he would be returning and or I thought what would have been a, a good match as well, an appropriate match for his retirement would have been like Will Ospreay. But, you know, Liger being who he is, he wasn't going to have that kind of a fanfare for his own retirement. And he went with this this tag match. And uh, what did you think about the idea to go with like a tag match with him and Sano, who hadn't been wrestling really in, in any kind of meaningful capacity for at least 10 years, go, taking on the team of Ryuli and Hiromu Takahashi? Yeah, I, I don't want to say it was like it, it like fell flat the announcement of the match, but I think everyone like their expectations were just so high because it seemed like okay, Minoru Suzuki is going like this will be the final program for him. It's this feud that encapsulates just years and years of feuding and the the Pancrase match and so much history that here is the final program. So when that was done in October. I think the default was, well, that means like they have something that is just that much bigger for January 4th and 5th. So when this was announced, like I understood the thinking of it that 
perhaps it was Liger not believing that a singles match would be, uh, for, for whatever reason, like maybe he felt like a singles match would be um, just too much um, to, to shoulder on this. And the idea that here you are bringing these two rivals together in Hiromu and Rio Lee, and there's certainly some significance to that with, with Hiromu's return and everything, and almost wanting to transfer that kind of legacy and star power to, to both individuals as being part of Liger's final match. But I, I think that this was certainly met with somewhat disappointment when this was going to be the final match because everyone's expectations and imaginations had gone wild of how you end such a legendary career that's been promoted for most of the past year. So some notes before we get to the, the, the match itself. Uh, Hiromu won the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title from Will Ospreay on, on the on the fourth. Uh, this match is also the opener for day two. So Liger's retirement matches opens both day one and day two of, of Wrestle Kingdom, which, you know, I, I, I thought were good ideas because they really, both of them really set the tone for, like, uh, for the fans in the, in the audience. And I thought, like, they're both really fun matches. Uh, we'll talk more about this match, of course, as we go along. Uh, Lee is out first wearing his own Liger mashup mask of, uh, you know, elements of Jason Liger's mask and his his own Dragon Lee design. Uh, from there, sorry, just changing my notes. This is uh, Lee's. D- don't forget actually... it. Also, uh, ROH Television Championship as well. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And they reference it. So I was like, okay, maybe. Yep. The, uh, the relationship is, is thawing out here. Uh, this is Lee's Tokyo Dome debut. And uh, back to do ring announcing is regular ring announcer, uh, Kimihiko Ozaki. And uh, the the, uh, the referee is uh, K- Kenta Sato, which must be, you know, like, this must be great for we're at his last match. We're going to be the ref and the ring announcer specifically. And I got to imagine it was really a great call to, for them to get when, when, like, they were told, like, you're going to do the ring announcing, you're going to do the refereeing for for the for this match and who who's on the the english call is what i listened to i know kevin kelly's on it and chris charlton and was it was it gino and rocky romero on the call here no so for the day day one it was all four and day three okay. was just uh gino gambino just gino. kevin kelly and and yeah. chris charlton so um I, I which i think i think rocky was busy because i think he had to manage or he was wrestling uh, later that's right that that night so yeah uh, uh takahashi is out next wearing his his beautiful uh peacock like robe and of course the yes. iwc junior heavyweight title uh yoshiaki fujiwara comes out because he's going to be cornering sano liger and the significance of this is that the legendary yoshiaki yoshiaki fujiwara the creator of the fujiwara armbar john is the trainer of both naoki sano and jushin liger so it's it, you know he has a lot of meaning for both these guys in their careers and we got Flight of the Valkyries as well. They went is, all out for Fujiwara here. So they did. Instead of – some people maybe thought uh, Sarah Del Rey or Brian Danielson. No. Yoshiaki Fujiwara coming out here. Definitely. They they definitely lifted it off of him because obviously both Sarah Del Rey and Brian Danielson sure. are, are massive fans of the, the legendary master of the Fujiwara armbar. Uh, Liger comes out. Uh, Osano is out next. And then finally, Jushin Thunder Liger outlast. Obviously, with his uh, legendary theme song, and I don't know, John, what, did you think the pop for Liger's entrance was bigger here or on day one? I think it was night one, personally, because they were seeing him for the first time. I'm wondering how much of a how much of an argument was there regarding Jushin Thunder Liger having to come out last. I feel he would have tried and, tried and put his foot down on that one too. 
I, I think there's a very good chance that you're right on that point, John. Uh, so finally, we, we get to the match itself. Liger and Hiromu start off and uh, lock up with a strong elbow and collar tie-up. Uh, Liger set, gets the advantage with a seated uh, surfboard that he turns into a modified rear chin lock. Uh, he gets a bow and arrow on Hiromu and... Uh, then the Remember Special to a loud applause. I think people were just loving seeing all these trademark signature moves from Liger at the start of this match. And I thought it was a really good idea for him to get the early advantage on Hiromu, considering how the, the match would end, John. Yes, uh, certainly. I just wanted to make up, uh, bring out one point that, that Kevin Kelly brought up, which this was a statistic I was not aware of, was that he noted that Liger is 13-1 and in title matches at the Tokyo Dome, and that's kind of a cool story had they gone the, the Hiromu route. Oh, definitely. I think you could have milked this idea of him getting, you know, one last title shot. Even if he was never going to defend it, and he, he, would, he would, like, vac- vacate it, like, you know, immediately after. But that would have been an amazing story to tell. Like, oh, my God, like, is he going to be able to, like, you know, he has the record advantage over someone like Hiromu in the Tokyo Dome and in title matches. So, but, you know, that's, you know, we're, we're, we're fancy booking at this point and, and we just, you know, we, we, we got what we got, John. Let's so. rebook Liger's retirement. John, there's a lot of things like that'd be one of them. The other thing would be like, like warn people about COVID-19, but I don't want to get off topic here. Uh, from here, uh, uh, Dragon Lee is tagged in and Hiromu uh, knocks Sano off the apron. Lee and Hiromu start uh, stomping away at Liger to massive booze from the crowd. And then this pretty much triggers a series of uh, double teams from uh, Dragon Lee and Hiromu Takahashi on, on Jushin Liger, who's just bumping all over the place for them and taking all their moves, which, you know, like is very, very, very Liger-like. Yeah, totally. I mean, you had uh, uh, Sano getting in there with, with the with the Swanton as well. I mean, that's kind of like the backdrop to all of this is that right after this, Sano, like this was his retirement match as well, but they opted not to advertise it ahead of time because, well, he would kind of be lost in the shuffle. But, you know, this was a guy, too, that was like going out and this is, you know, in his mind, his farewell, too. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was, you know, I, I don't think what he could do to top this as as being his retirement match as well but like definitely it would have been lost in the conversation if they announced that it was his liar i don't know if we take any heat away i think it was probably a smart idea just to be kind of like oh yeah i'm i'm never wrestling again either um yeah i made a note here john of what dragon lee is wearing here he's wearing his uh faction de ingobernables uh jersey which is like the the version of lij or lost in gobernables that exists in ring of honor and he's got the name dragon lee on the back which is funny because he's not allowed to be called dragon lee in in new japan for wrestling but i just thought it was funny like he's basically thumbing his nose at cmml on on this show here well yeah we should we should bring that up because it was it was only a few weeks after all of that that big fallout where he is you know, he's kind of caught in this whole power struggle thing with uh, with Roosh, and he kind of finds himself out of there with CMLL. And, you know, it, it had CMLL tried to block something like this. I mean, it was ended up like New Japan wanted to use him. And, yeah, this, this leads to the name change. But he had that whole fallout, ju- like, just weeks before this. Uh, from this, uh, Hiromu applies the uh, Fujiwara armbar onto Liger, and Hiromu's tights are sporting this really cool on the right leg, which I thought was a, a nice touch. Like basically, you know, his his younger opponents, people who would have idolized Jushin Liger, 
just paying tribute when in whatever way they can by the, the gear they're wearing here, John. Yeah, I I think I saw no less than like twelve Jushin Thunder Ligers as we were outside waiting to get in. Like this was this was the the cosplay event of the year for Liger fans. And they were also selling those um those kind of hats, hats. Where, you could, yeah. where you could flap the, the, the horns, you know, by pulling a string, which were very popular. I don't know how many we saw of those, like throughout like the entirety of Tokyo during our stay. Dude, when we went to that bookstore, one of the first days that that we went out and just all the Liger stuff we saw, and we're both remarking just that, man, I hope this guy is in is cut into all of this stuff that New Japan is just making hand over fist dollar wise in uh this this week because I can't imagine how much money was spent on Jushin Thunder Liger memorabilia over the course of that week. You would hope so, like but you know, like sometimes you hear stories about like, you know, some of the talent is not cutting in on the, on these deals. Namely like something like the Bullet Club, like New Japan does not pay any royalties on that. Like I gotta imagine though someone like Liger or or Naito is contracts is like merchandising uh, profits. So hopefully he made a, a killing in terms of both like what he sold at the dome and just like what he sold before and after you know his his matches here. Um, back to the match though, Liger is able to turn the tide of the match with a pair of tilt a whirl backbreakers. John, I, I'm never gonna have to say that. Try to attempt to say that uh, move again on his two opponents. Uh, Sano tags, it, tags in and hits a missile dropkick to both Hiromu and, and Ryu Lee here. Uh, Sano and Lee engage in exchange of forearm strikes. So, again, like, you know, one of the stories you got to talk about is, you know, at the age of 54, Naoki Sano is just, like, realizing the significance for Liger and for himself, as you were saying, John. Like, like he's just going out there and, and putting on the... The perform the best performance that he can at at you know like his condition and at his age. No one was expecting Naoki Sano to come in and be you know one of one of the standout performers of the weekend, and I, and I'm not going to go that far to say he was. But did this guy uh, justify a spot in these matches? I think he like for the circumstances here. I think this guy worked his ass off on, on both nights. Uh, Lee hits a knee strike to Sano's chin here. Uh, Sano with a ta- big clothesline on Dragon Lee. Liger and Hiromu both get the hot tag and start going at it. Uh, Hiromu gets the advantage in the corner, but Liger is able to hit a very charring powerbomb onto Hiromu. Uh, Hiromu holds both Lano and, Siger, uh, and Sano on the uh, outside for Lee to hit a top rope running plancha, which looked amazing. Uh, they move, and uh, Lee ends up hitting his partner instead. So I, I got a little ahead of myself there, John. But yeah, so they uh, kind of like, I guess, setting up the, the eventual program that uh, Dragon Lee and uh, Hiromu Takahashi would do later on in the, in the month of... I, was, it, was it New Beginning that they had their match? I can't remember. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it would have been the, new, the next month. That was the only uh, big shows that they, they've had since, since the, uh, the Dome show. Yeah, so so they they're definitely setting up you know the the seats. I think for it was that, the Osaka new beginning that they did. I yeah. think you're right. Yeah, it's you know, John. It's been it's been, like that's you know February or January. It, it feels like seven years ago now. <laughs> but uh, uh, so where am I here? My night uh, notes. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, so Liger hits a jackknife powerbomb for a two count here. Uh, Hiromu uh, hits a release German suplex, but Liger fires up and hits a shote. Uh, you know, getting up from the the release here. Uh, Liger brainbuster, but uh, Lee breaks the count uh, at uh, two here. Uh, Lee takes out Sano with a dropkick and uh, Tope Suicida. Liger is at the mercy of the opposing team now, and I just felt like, wow, 
like, you know, both Liger and Sano are just keeping up with their younger opponents, who, t- t- you know, the two of who, whom are, like, just amazing, amazing pro wrestlers known for, like, their, their stanima and, and the, the pace they set in the ring, John. Yeah, it was like it was uh, like a different style of match, but like Liger and Sano, I mean, at, at their at their ages here of like fifty five and fifty four respectively, like this was not like these guys felt um, out of their league. Like they, it was you know a, a different type of match, but they certainly were able to to put together like a compelling tag match uh, with these two. And I thought also bring, bring out like a different element of Takahashi and Lee as well. Like this was totally different from like what you would expect from Takahashi and Lee and seeing them in, in like a tag dynamic situation where they're working together is something fresh for that, that, you know, linkage between the two. Definitely. Uh, from here, we see a knee strike from uh, Ryu Lee, a super kick from Hiromu Takahashi, a double knee strike from both to Liger, and there's a, they go for the count, but there's only a two, and uh, this elicits a huge pop because I think at this point, John, like we don't want necessarily this match to end because it will be the end of Jushin Thunder Liger's career once the the you know the the, the hand hits the, the bat three times. It was one part of this this match that I felt, and I think it was somewhat like compounded by the result the next night, is that everyone knows how this is ending. Like there is no glimmer of like I, I think like the finish from the next night, it eliminated that even uh, just allowing any fan to get caught up in the moment that maybe Liger gets that win. So once you get through the entrance and get all that energy out, the bell rings, and now it's simply a countdown till everyone knows what the finish is and what the inevitable is and what that represents for Liger's career. So that's where I think like there was certainly a bit of the audience that was subdued because I think everyone knew we are now watching this man for the last time, and it's going to end in one way with, with his shoulders down, and it's going to be a very uh, down moment because this is the end of his career. Yeah, from here, uh, there's a Death Valley driver into the corner from Hiromu onto Liger. Uh, Liger is able to reverse a time bomb attempt into a roll-up for a two-count. Uh, Hiromu counters a Shote with a clothesline and then hits the time bomb for the one, two, three at 12-16, John. And to en- this is the end of Jushin Thunder Liger's in-ring career. And I, I, I felt a sense of deflation you know, at at this moment, John, like I, I was happy. Oh, the the match is over. Like, but at the same time, like, wow, that's the last time I'll ever see this man wrestle. But at the same time, I I got to see this man wrestle for the last time. So I, at the same time, I'm also feeling the sense of you know like uh, privilege, like that I got to experience like both this and and the night before. Yeah, I think it. I think you view this based on you know, past examples of guys going out in a certain way. And I think that for me, when I'm watching this, my main thing is I hope the person involved is happy with their performance that they leave and they're like, it's, they don't embarrass themselves because quite often a retirement ceremony means that, you know, you are at a a certain age and thus you're limited in what you can do because your biggest opponent in these scenarios is you're battling your prime self because that's what's in everyone's memory as they're watching you try to recreate that, which is 
impossible. This was like a fine match by by any stretch of the imagination. And I think by the end of it, I'm more so looking at, you know, these guys, this is a nice way to go out for, for Jushin Thunder Liger. He was one of the stars on a major show, and it was probably the ideal way that he wanted to go out losing to uh, these two in Hiromu Takahashi and Rio Lee that for all intents and purposes should carry this division for the next decade plus. Well, I mean, Hiromu grabs the mic and he tells Liger that, you know, don't worry, I'll, I'll carry on your legacy in the junior heavyweight division. Uh, then uh, he leaves the ring and then Dragon Lee gives Liger his entrance mask and bows to show his respect to the legend, that is Jushin Liger. Uh, Liger grabs the mic and there's a big Liger call that everyone was involved in. Like, uh, And he gives his farewell to the fans in the Tokyo Dome. Basically, uh, you know, th- thanks to the translation of Chris Charlton, he basically says to the effect that, like, I was born here 30, you know, what was it, 31 years ago? I was born yep. in the Tokyo Dome. And this is the last time you will see Jushin Thunder. He makes a point, though, John. He makes a point of saying, this is the last time you will see Jushin Thunder Liger, the wrestler, in uh in the ring and so like not to saying that he's going to go away like obviously he hasn't he's going to do commentary he's he's heavily involved in the dojo uh and this i thought but that line like this is the last time you'll see me in the ring here in the tokyo dome which the place where i was born i thought so such an emotional line in it and it got to me that you know hearing it back on new japan world here I, I completely agree with you. I, I was really glad I rewatched this because I think that the the speech afterwards, it's certainly, um, to me, more impactful watching it than when you're in the arena and I, I can't translate it live in the moment. Um, so I, I thought it, it definitely carried a lot more weight here watching it on the broadcast. And then the woman they found in the crowd uh, crying as well. You definitely know the camera people were like running all over the place. Find someone crying. Find someone crying. Oh, take her. And then I would imagine they they didn't have to search too many. I'm sure there were a lot of tears uh, ringside from a lot of fans as well. But this was like just this great shot, like this woman that's just in tears listening to him uh, give his farewell address here at the end. So I I thought like it it was a really nice somber end. And I I think that if you went into this, like I, I think expectations were relatively low for this match. I think they were exceeded. And it was so much about just the atmosphere, which was certainly created on both nights. Definitely. So I don't know if you watched the uh, the backstage interview afterwards, John, but basically, for the most part, all Liger does in this interview is put over how great Hiromu Takahashi is. I just thought, yeah. like, and, and Alan Farrell, in his in his review that he did with me on his episode of Thunderstruck, he, he made the same point. This is so Jushin Liger. Like, he doesn't want to talk about himself. He wants to talk about how great the next you know, junior ace is, how great Hiromu Takahashi is. And I just thought that is like the if one thing we could talk about his career, John, like, and that's a recurring theme through a lot of like Thunderstruck is how selfless this man is and like how how much he's invested in the future of this profession that he loves so much by by fostering and putting over younger talent. Absolutely. I think that will be among his biggest attributes when all is said and done about Jushin Thunder Liger and this man's legacy and how unselfish he was and and learning from other people in similar positions where that is often the most difficult balancing act is when you are an active in-ring competitor that is also given the responsibility of, of booking. And he was always somebody that 
put the the company ahead of himself. And I think that like that is to be applauded because that would seem like something elementary for anyone that's you know involved in the business of professional wrestling. But how many people can stack up to the unselfishness of Jushin Thunder Liger? And it's to that point that I would also argue that if there comes a time ever that New Japan is in dire need of something – and they need something to spark business. I don't close the door on Jushin Thunder Liger being someone that will violate that retirement. As great a send-off as this is, I think if the company asked him ever of something like that, I don't think he would even debate it. Well, we, we, we might be in a situation where uh, any most, if not all, wrestling companies need something to, to spark business, John. Uh, but... Uh, you know, one one thing, one other thing I want to mention. They did a nice little tribute of the Jushin Liger comic character. Uh, his name is Go Nagai. He's a very famous uh, manga creator. He created such characters as uh, Mazinger Z and and as well as Devilman, among a ton of others. He's one of the most like prolific comic creators in the history of Japanese manga. John and I thought just a nice touch having him show up, giving flowers to Liger, and then they're, they're just talking about like how he proud he is, like that you know Kichi Yamada was the person to, you know, and he, and he uses the Yamada names a couple of times too, much of the chagrin of Jushin Liger, like how he's so proud that something he created was brought to life by a wrestler as great as the man who would become uh, the embodiment of Jushin Thunder Liger. And then and, and basically also like, you know, Liger's talking about like, I'm never going to wear the body, the bio armor again, which he's talking about his full body costume. He'll wear the mask still because he's still going to be Jushin Liger, but he's just never going to wear his quote unquote bio armor anymore. Which I thought that's a that's a really nice you know uh, touch to this backstage interview. Do, do you think he should have unmasked at the end? No, no. Keep the mystique. I, I don't. No, I, 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 people know what he looks like, John. Like, there's tons of pictures out there of before he was Liger, and we've seen him unmasked, you know, a couple of times, like, throughout his career. But I just think nobody wants to see him without his mask. It's, you know, like, in Japan, it's not that big of a deal to unmask, you know? We don't really have so many, like, uh, mask versus mask matches or hair versus mask matches in Japan. It's It's not... The tradition of mass wrestlers is very different to like Lucha Libre, where like once you unmask, you're you're unmasked, and once you, you know, you're like I think that's the big thing, and he knows it that no none of the fans wants to see his real face. They if he's on TV in any capacity, that they want to see him wearing like his his mask, not his you know in ring mask, but his like his outside the ring mask, which had you can see his mouth and his eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's uh you know it's it's so synonymous with him and he can be in that thing until he's he's 85 all right we're coming to the closing stretch of our review here john we're going to talk about the liger retirement uh january 6th at oda city general gymnasium and uh when when you know when i got it confirmed from fraser that you myself and way were going to be going to new year's dash and and be witness to the retirement ceremony john what did you think uh what was going through your head when 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 you got the confirmation um, I was of all three nights, uh, with Liger, this was what I was looking forward to most. I thought this was going to be like the, it, it would be one thing like seeing the matches, which, you know, were, you know, had, had its own like, uh, vibe to it. Certainly being there live and, and hearing that reaction to him inside of a stadium, uh, for the last matches. But to me, it was going to be, to me, the, the retirement ceremony that, 
I had no doubt in my mind it was going to be an incredibly uh, classy affair and that they were going to give him like the ultimate send off at the end. So this was the part. And I was just curious of like who would be part of this? How are they going to handle it? And and also like really uh, surprised that they started the show off with this as well. I I did not envy like everyone on this show that like had to follow this because this, this to me was hands down. This was like the main event of this show and it was the first half hour. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we start off, uh, there's a great video package to, uh, to start this show detailing the wide breadth of Jason Liger's career, including his early title wins, him ta- him taking on invaders from other promotions, including Naomichi Marafuji, Jenichiro Tenru, Takashi Sugiyara, his battles with heavyweights as his battle liger, which is which is like his his uh, you know his topless version basically, where he's mm-hmm. just wearing his his pants and his like his mask that you can see parts of his face with. That's battle liger. His uh, different colored costumes um, throughout his career and uh, his versions of one of his most famous characters that we didn't see too much of, thankfully, is Kishin Liger. And I say that because I think it was great that he kept Kishin Liger very very special like character that he would only bust out like you know once maybe every five years or so yeah we had we had like a lot of clips of Hashimoto in this as well like they really covered you know for a for a career that really like uh, if you include like the pre-Liger days like goes back 36 years at this point I thought this was a pretty comprehensive uh video just all the different snapshots of his different iterations and I gotta make a mention like because we have this the screen above the entranceway uh, at at this show, John, and like you don't really see it in this video package, or too you don't really see it too clearly throughout the, the retirement ceremony on New Japan World. But you know, it, it basically it, it, it's a it's a graphic of all his opponents, his legendary opponents who have passed away over the years, including like you know Eddie Guerrero as Black Tiger and and Chris Benoit as yep. as Wild Pegasus. And I remember you you kind of mentioned it to me, like you know you said, wow, they I you, you were very I think you were very surprised as I recall, at seeing an image of, of Chris Benoit among those people. But at, at the same time, like, I think, you know, from what I understand, like, you know, Benoit was a very close person to to Liger and vice versa. And so, like, I think it would be something that, like, I think Liger would insist on. Like, no, I want an image of him. If you're going to talk about my opponents who are not here anymore, I want, like, Eddie there, and I want, you know, this person, this person, and I want, you know, Chris Benoit on there as well. Yeah, for, for me, it was... It was off-putting in the sense that it was, you know, he's he's all over this video, and it's like I can understand that Liger would want, um, oh, Benoit's one of his famous opponents, and and maybe I was in the minority thinking about this, but it was as they're doing the the ten bell salute, and you've got Benoit's uh, face featured up there. Uh, t- to me, that that was off-putting. Yeah, I I understand for like a lot of people it is, but like I just remember like. When the whole stuff with Benoit went down, and like I was curious what the reception in in Japan would be like. Looking back when I was still living in Canada, I was like following like the news closely here, and it it wasn't, you know, it, it was a very different, you know, like kind of, I don't know, like how it was perceived and how it was talked about here it wasn't as extensive, obviously, as it was in North America. But at the same time, it was like, uh, well, we're not going to necessarily, you know, erase. While Pegasus from our history, that was kind of the the, the mindset of, of New Japan. Like they have no qualms about showing any of his matches on New Japan World or 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 you know before even before New Japan World existed. Like just showing 
like matches of him against Liger or anyone else because it's I don't know for whatever reason it's just treated very differently. The the whole Benoit situation was was very very minimal minimalized I guess to 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 for lack of a better word John. But getting back to the the retirement ceremony itself, uh, finally at the end of this video package we hear. Liger's theme song, Hikari no Jishin. Liger comes out to a thunderous reception of applause and Liger chants that, that you and I were, 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 were part of. And I thought just an awesome start already to this, to this retirement ceremony. Like just the emotion being felt by everyone. Uh, next out is the New Japan regular army or Huntai. And they're led, of course, by the ace, Roshi Tanahashi. And, uh, he comes out and, uh, they get in the ring and, uh, Tanahashi gives Liger the uh, ceremonial flowers. Out next is uh, Chaos, led by Kazuchika Okada. And it should be noted, John, that uh, you know Okada being in New Japan is is a large is due in large part to the influence of Jushin Liger, who worked with him in UWA. I think. Did you? Did, Chris like brought this up. He said that Liger helped Okada come to New Japan after he first battled him in Toriyumon in Canada in 2007, which. That's UWA. Like, that is where – these weren't like Tori Yuman shows here. It was just Tori Yuman was sending their guys over here. So I I totally noted that uh, watching this. Yeah, definitely. Like, I remember reading about, like, you know, Okada because, like, I would follow the, you know, the New Japan, All Japan, NOAA, and, and Dragon Gate, like, fan sites that were very – uh, active at that time, and I remember reading about like Okada being you know, talked about on the Toriyaman fan pages, and then it was said like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna move to New Japan because Liger talked to Ultimate Dragon and said like, I like this guy, like I think this guy could have a huge future as a star in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, he has that potential, and and like Ultimate was like signed off on it and said, yeah, great, like you know, like I think on on uh you know a Jericho podcast that Ultimate Dragon did, he asked. You know, Jericho asked, you know, Ultimo Dragon about his protégés, and he would not talk about any of the Dragon Gate guys like Shima no. at the time or any of the Toriyama stuff. But Okada, he's very what he's become, and I think, you know, like, it, it was like, you know, it was beneficial for Okada at the time that Liger and Dragon, like, were, were friends and had a, had a very, very uh, positive relationship that, you know, like, when Liger said, can I bring this guy into New Japan? Dragon was like, yeah, awesome. I'm sure he got some kind of finder's fee from <laughs> Japan for it, but... You know, like, I think you'll see, you see a lot of, like, affection from Okada during this ceremony towards Liger. And I think a lot of part of it, he, he, he feels a lot of gratitude towards this man who's basically instrumental in, in him becoming a superstar. Yeah, I, I never knew this story of Liger's role in bringing Okada here, much less that it sounds like they met on these, this UWA show um, at the time. And it's not like Liger and Okada have this, like, um, this affiliation, like, when you watch New Japan. But this, like, you really got the sense, like, this was very much a mentor-student kind of uh, relationship that these two had. And learning of this, like, Liger's role in, like, think about that when it comes to, like, a, a little part of, like, Liger's legacy is recruiting the guy that is going to be the franchise player for new japan for years to come i mean that's like not a small detail no definitely and it's like it, it goes towards like what a great eye he has for talent because like he picked this guy out like when he's like in 07 in 07 dude like yeah. it's not like this guy was someone that like 
listen, I was at these shows, but not like you're watching and saying, wow, this guy's the future. Um, you know, it's like he's how many years in at this point? Like he is is very, very green. Oh, yeah. He's like maybe two years in after graduating from Dragon's Dojo and stuff like that. But, you know, I thought Okada had one of my favorite moments of the ceremony where he wants to take a selfie on his own camera yeah. <laughs> with Liger and everyone in chaos is trying to get in position. I thought that's so it's so telling of like how how much like Okada probably just, you know, he wants his own picture with Liger on his own camera that, that he's really reeling as well. Uh, out next is uh, Chairman Naoki Sugabashi. Uh, after him is President Harold May. And then finally, the, probably the most emotional part of the whole night, John, Liger's wife and son, uh, they come out uh, to give him totally. flowers. He, he hugs his wife and son. And, and it's the best moment of this entire summer morning, just because you can see the affection and love he has for his family. And he, and he talks about, like, you know, how... He was never there for them because he was always on the road, but he hopes that they're going to not get tired of him being around the house all the time. And uh, I, I think it was like Chris also mentions in the commentary here that it's his wife who came up with the idea of the original Super J Cup in 1994, which I thought was, wow, that's an awesome detail. That's that's an amazing detail. I don't I don't know if, if that was like I had never heard that story before. Uh, that was like. Like there was there was some real interesting like tidbits in here from from Chris as well that were just like sprinkled in here. But I, I completely agree with you. This was by far the most uh, emotional part of this. And just to see like Jushin Thunder Liger, who is this, you know, for all that we've talked about his career and the matches, like here is this man that is still like this this hidden figure. He's almost like, as we said, this comic book figure. And we're watching him like here is a husband and a father. And for me watching this, just to see like his son being in this ring, seeing what his father means to this entire roster of people and to this full venue was a really cool scene. Like, and you could see like just uh, these two, like they're just um, so proud of their father, their husband and it was like a super emotional scene having these two in the ring. I, I thought it was uh, the high point of this retirement ceremony. Uh, from here, we then get a video message from uh, New Japan founder Antonio Inoki, basically kind of just talking about. You, like, you were wow, shocked when the, when this came on. It seemed like I I I forgot that he was still alive, John. <laughs> and was... it's you know that. He repaired his relationship with New Japan. I guess it was mainly done for for Liger's sake, though. Yeah, I think that this is the the theme. Like Jushin Thunder Liger crossed uh, any you know bad blood that existed. I mean, and there's probably a lot when you go into the the Antonio Noki history with this company. Um, but this was done for for the sake of Jushin Thunder Liger's retirement ceremony. And I think when you are doing Things like this, you have to be able to cut through uh, bad blood for the good of the ceremony. And that's what they did here. I think uh, Tony Onoki absolutely had a place here. Um, and also very notable that he was not physically there. This was a video sent in. And Onoki's now 77. And we know the the health problems that he's reportedly had. Yeah, definitely. But it was definitely a nice touch to see. I think a lot of the people in the audience were, were just as surprised to see there was a gasp be. when he was on there like everyone understood the the weight that this carried of anoki being in, in, invited to this yeah so from here we finally get jushin liger on the mic um he talks about his debut in the tokyo dome 31 years ago 
and how it ended in the same place one day earlier. He thanks Hiromu for being his last opponent, and uh, he thanks all the fans for, for supporting him, and he thanks his mom, and then his his wife and son one more time, and uh, we get the ten bell salute to with everyone standing, and we get various shots of of Tanahashi crying, and you know, j- watching this, John, watching this back, all I can think about really is that you and I are sitting together. Uh, and we're part of this, and I'm just getting emotional thinking about about it, and and that like Way and Fraser are sitting together watching this, and it, it's just I just again feel this great sense of privilege that I got to share this moment with everyone else in in the Oda City General Gymnasium. Yeah, it's to me the to me this will be the memory I'll have most ingrained is the retirement ceremony beyond even the matches uh, with Liger. Like I'm certain that. 25 years from now, I'll remember being at Jushin Thunder Liger's retirement ceremony. And from, from like the perspective when you watch something like this, I don't think it was all that different than probably the emotion people had of the 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 weight that the, the Ric Flair retirement ceremony held after that WrestleMania in 2008. And I think everyone wants to see the someone end their career on such a high note like that, that you hope they don't come back from this. Um, but it's also wrestling. And I'll say this, that regardless of Flair coming back or if Liger ever does a match, it doesn't mean that this did not exist and this didn't happen and that this did not mean a lot to those that were in that arena and to these wrestlers and to the family members. And yeah, this this to me will be the first memory I'll have of when I look back at at this trip from a wrestling perspective. Uh, Liger is set to go to the back, but Okada prompts him Back into the ring, and there's a little cute exchange between <laughs> Okada and Liger here, which I thought was really, really nice to see. Uh, everyone, everyone basically wants to toss Liger up in the air as kind of like a kind of you know like tradition in Japanese wrestling. Uh, so they get to do that, and then before Liger is able to go back to the, back to the back, Tanahashi stops him and says, and he wants he wants to lead everyone in singing Liger's theme song to to mix. To oh, miss success, is... success because not everyone is uh, able to remember all the lyrics to this song, John. <laughs> no, and the English commentators really did not seem uh, either to know the words or willing to sing. And it was uh, a, a little tough. See, I think Chris knows the lyrics. I'm pretty sure he but knows I don't the think lyrics. he wanted to be the only one singing because Kelly and Gambino were leaving him out the dry. Oh, definitely. They were definitely doing that. Um, but this is it. And like we, we have that that moment and that's it. And Liger finally leaves to go to the back. And yeah, and just like you and, said, and they John, share a me- story that Liger Liger wanted this to be on first because the matches are what people are here for. And the main event is what should go on last is what they explained here, that he wanted to be the first thing and not save this for the end, which this I think absolutely should have ended the show, but I, I don't think it really matters. It's to me going to be the thing everyone remembers most from this show. Yeah, I I don't know, John. Like I I kind of am happy that it it was first because like I think it set a great tone. I I don't think it really detracted from some of the really good matches that we got to see as, as part. You know what of it felt like WH card. if. It felt like being at two separate things. It didn't even feel like this was part of the show. It was its own thing. Uh, so I, I kind of agree in that sense that it felt like the show started half an hour later because this was its own uh, thing as well. And you, you could argue that if they had held this off till the end, um, w- would people have been as into the matches because everyone is 
there for the Liger thing. Like, who knows? It probably would have worked regardless, but um, it, it certainly did not detract, you know, it, its its placement. But it definitely, to me, it was the main event to disagree with Jushin Liger. Definitely. Um, and with that being said, John, this brings us to the conclusion of Thunderstruck. 26 episodes later, uh, 26 weeks later from the, the drop of the first episode. And I, I want to thank you and Wei for providing uh, an awesome platform for me to get the show out to a lot of listeners and fans out there. I want to thank, definitely want to thank all the, the 26 guest hosts I had on this show to talk about the matches that they picked, that they wanted to talk about, uh, the Liger matches that meant the most to them. It was so much fun rewatching a lot of these matches or watching some of these matches for the first time for me and just getting to talk with people I've talked with before, whether it was on other shows or on, on um, cruel summer, but a lot of the new people that I got to talk to for the first time, that was very exciting for me. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm so happy I got to do this. And I think it's this show when it's being recorded and when it's going to be released, I think is going to be a nice, you know, kind of uh, breath of fresh air from all the kind of the, the negativity we were kind of seeing in the world and, and in wrestling, you know, right now. And, and I'm, I'm hoping people will listen to this and, and go back and listen to the other episodes and just try to remember a time when, Hey, wrestling is a good thing sometimes. And wrestling can be a positive and a source of joy and, and the world will, you know, was a good place and it's going to be a good place again. And I just come out of like, think about these things like with a lot of optimism, John. So I want to thank you and Wayne and all the guests for, for helping me like put this together. Uh, I think all the thanks go to you. You put in uh, so much incredible work into this just fantastic series that is timeless. Like this will live on our site for as long as we have a site. Uh, people that can go back and listen to these at any point in time. And um, it's you, you have like such an incredible cross section. And I mean, just the fact that you did not struggle at all in putting together 26 uh, very different but matches that to to that guest uh, meant something. So I think the only way to end Thunderstruck is that if WH was the interview subject, what would be the Jushin Thunder Liger match that means the most to you? <sighs> That's really tough. There's like two. Um, one is the, the, the match was trying to remember the date. It's, 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 it's it, it involves him and Chris Benoit. John, like it's it's in Japan. It's in Japan. I think it's it, it's. I, I feel terrible saying this, but I think it's in the Super J Cup that they wrestle. It would it would have been the uh, the ninety five one. Ninety five one. I I distinctly remember that as being like my favorite favorite Liger and you know while Pegasus match against each other. And then the other favorite match I have is a very obscure match that I. It's like my holy grail, John. Right now, it's a tag match. It's a clipped match of a tag match with you know of Jushin Thunder Liger teaming with Wild Pegasus against the team of Shinjiro Otani and Tatsuhiro Takaiwa. It's on a tape I have back home. It's on a VHS tape. I'm trying to remember what tape it's on, and I have so many tapes. It's 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 literally like finding a needle in a haystack. Um, but I'm trying to remember. I'm I look on Cage Match. I look on other sites see if this is available i'm trying to find the date see if i can find it on youtube or new japan world or anywhere else it's and it's an amazing tag match it's just one of the most perfect tag matches i've recall ever seeing in my life john and and i just cannot seem to find this goddamn match anymore but if it's anything it's like liger it, and and it's involving you know uh, while pegasus 
uh, Chris Benoit. And, you know, regardless of, you know, what that means now, like, it still means a lot to me as a fan, you know, that, you know, like, I just love, that was kind of like my introduction to Liger was his, you know, involvement with, like, you know, Benoit, like, after, you know, seeing him initially in WCW against Liger and, and teaming with, sorry, te- in, in with Pillman and then teaming with Pillman later on, it's like my reintroduction to Liger is, like, these matches with, like, you know, Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero in, in New Japan. So, and then just kind of reignited my love for this man and just carries on to 2020. So, yeah, that's that's those are my fondest memories of Jushin Liger as far as him being a wrestler goes. Well, this... um uh, you did a fantastic job on this series. Uh, me and Wei and everyone listening uh, cannot thank you enough for uh, putting this together. Just the uh, the scheduling. I mean, some people might not realize like how difficult it is sometimes. Uh, like with you being uh, in Japan and with, with the time zone difference of scheduling guests, I can only imagine how uh, how difficult that can be at times. But um, this was just a fantastic idea, and I thought it was it just turned out so great. And the fact you got twenty six shows out of it um I, I mean that's a testament right there to like the 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 depth that you can go into on this man's career should we should we talk about the next project john it this is your show it's the uh, the floor is yours all right well like so i was thinking about in the middle of doing this show i thought what what's up what's something i want to talk about next and you know like the the previous series john was called cruel summer it was about the the g1 climax this show thunderstruck was about jushin thunder Liger. so Everything I've done so far has been very New Japan centric, but so people might be surprised to hear that my favorite wrestling promotion of all time is All Japan Pro Wrestling, and my favorite era of professional wrestling, John, is the the period of the 1990s. You know, led by the four pillars: uh, Mitsuharu Misawa, Toshiaki Kawada, Kenny Kobashi, and uh, uh, Akira Tawe. So I thought I would like to do. A monthly show, not no more weeklies for me, John. This the there's no way I could do a weekly of this, but a monthly show once a month. You will hear me a match from the entirety of the '90s, uh, with a little bit of leeway into like 1989 or '88, or and into the 2000s before just basically before the split uh, from yeah, very loose timeline, loose timeline, but basically the era of the four pillars, the era of the creation of the Triple Crown Heavyweight Championship. And and that's that's what it's going to be, John. We're going to run down the history of 1990s All Japan, and and the name of the show is going to be called the Long and Winding Royal Road, which is you know like the kind of the the name of the style of All Japan Pro Wrestling, the Royal Road, the King's Road, uh, or in Japanese it's called Odu. Um, but yeah, that's the idea. And uh, part of the part of the show is going to be you know reviewing matches like we do here on Thunderstruck. Or what we did on Crow Summer, but part of it is also gonna. I'm gonna have episodes dedicated to profile pieces on the key players on on cool. of this era, including like the four pillars, including Jun Akiyama, including Stan Hansen, Doctor Death, Steve Williams, the Can Am Express. Interesting pieces, like what, whatever the guests want to talk about. Have a a loose timeline. I'm not gonna commit myself to when it's gonna start, but John, it it's gonna come, and I think it'll be a really fun show. And we're going to host it here, of course, on Post Wrestling. Well, it's everyone is breathing a sigh of relief that WH Park will continue uh, his audio 
documentary of the history of Japanese wrestling with Cruel Summer and now Thunderstruck and then a long and winding Royal Road. So I, I really look forward to it. It's it's such a, an era of influence on so many people. And I'm already uh, envisioning a particular guest maybe that I, I can throw your way for uh, wh- whether you want to uh, reach out to certain people. So I, I think that you'll have uh, a, f- a fantastic following for this uh, new series when you launch it. Yes, I, I please keep uh, your ears open for the announcement for that show at postwrestling.com and of course on uh, Twitter. And uh, John, like if people want to like enjoyed your performance here on the last episode of Thunderstruck, where can people find you? Uh, you can go to this little site called postwrestling.com and uh, check out all of our work. A uh, lot of great shows that are up there. And uh, for those that may not be familiar, WH and I do our own monthly show, Post Pro Res, which we are due to do another show on uh, in the uh, next week or so. So uh, keep your ears peeled for that. And yeah, that's uh, thank you so much, WH, uh, for having me on. It was uh, great to go back and uh, chat about this, which uh, it was a fantastic trip and getting to hang out with you for that entire time as well and, and go to these shows. So uh, I'm honored to be your, your final guest on Thunderstruck. Well, uh, on behalf of John, I want to thank the most important people out there for this show, and that's the listeners who who supported this. And until the next project, the next time you hear myself and John together or myself and another guest on together talking about professional wrestling, I will say goodbye. Goodbye.